Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally, we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Hello, and thanks for joining us. I'm Kelly Barner, owner of Buyers Meeting Point and the host of Dial P for Procurement here on Supply Chain Now. In this week's episode of This Week in Business History, we'll be remembering business history stories, innovations, inventions, and firsts that took place over the years between September 27th and October 1st. Now, I came across quite a few interesting people while researching for this week's episode. So interesting, in fact, that I couldn't choose just one story to tell. So this week, I'm going to tell you three stories. These are three stories about inventors, inventions, and very interesting background tales. We start with the very true story of Mr. Thomas Crapper. On September 28, 1836, Thomas Crapper was baptized in Yorkshire, England. There are no records of when he was actually born. Mr. Thomas Crapper was famous for, yes, you guessed it, toilet innovation. Actually, back then they called it sanitary engineering. Plumbing was his destiny. He was apprenticed to his brother, George Crapper, who was a master plumber. After eight years of journeyman plumbing, it was time for Thomas to set out on his own. Mr. Crapper revolutionized both the plumbing industry and how the products themselves were made. His company was the first to have public showrooms where people could come and look at his sanitary wares. This was a big deal because at the time, indoor plumbing was not a standard feature of most homes. He had a foundry and a metal shop, which allowed him to experiment with new designs and refine existing ones. In 1880, he replaced the S-bend trap with a U-bend trap. His new design was less likely to clog, less likely to dry out, and did not need an overflow. Plumbing traps retrain some water after the fixture's use, let's say a flush, and this creates an air seal that prevents gas from passing from the drain pipes back into the building. In plain English, it minimizes the problems with odor that originally accompanied indoor plumbing. Mr. Crapper held nine patents, and while none of them were for the flush toilet, they were all related to indoor plumbing. He did take a little bit of creative license when marketing his products. He implied, for instance, that he had invented the siphonic flush in an ad for Crapper's valveless water waste preventer, but he hadn't. Mr. Crapper's biggest break came in the 1880s when Prince Albert, who would later become King Edward VII, 
hired him as the plumber for his home in Norfolk. Of course, it was a bigger home than most of us have, and it required 30 bathrooms, all of which were to be appointed with cedar wood seats. I'm mostly just glad it wasn't my job to clean the bathrooms. He must have done a good job because later contracts would follow from Edward VII and George V. Before I wrap our story about Mr. Crapper, I would like to address the elephant in the room. It does seem like a bit of a punishment for your name to be associated with the toilet for all time. But that is not why we think of the term the crapper as having two meanings. Here's how the common story goes. American soldiers stationed in England during World War I saw Mr. Crapper's name on water closet tanks and started using it as a slang expression for using the bathroom. But that is not true. Using the word crapper in that way started about 10 years after crapper was born, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. That was long before all of his inventions or his company. A crapping ken, however, was a house where rubbish would be put, based on the word crap, spelled C-R-A-P-P-E, from the old French term for waste or rejected matter. In a funny twist, Mr. Crapper is still a fixture in London, pun fully intended, because his name appears on manhole covers that can be seen around the city. From a twist to a bend, my next story is based on a patent that was awarded on September 28, 1937. Joseph Friedman was an American inventor born at the turn of the 20th century. He dabbled in both real estate and optometry, but those were really just fallback careers to bring in income while he waited for his inventions to take off. Inventing was his true passion. One day in the early 1930s, he was in his brother's fountain parlor in San Francisco, watching his young daughter Judith have a drink up at the counter. Because of her height, she was struggling to drink out of a glass with a straight straw that was sitting on the counter in front of her. Friedman saw a problem that needed to be solved. What that straw needed was a bend. The challenge with a bend, though, was that it would reduce the amount of liquid that could flow through the straw at the time, unless he could find a better way. Friedman took that straight straw and created a corrugated bend by wrapping a screw with dental floss. Once he removed the screw, the straw would bend conveniently over the edge of the glass. He called his new invention the drinking tube. That was the patent he earned on September 28, 1937. But he would earn two additional patents for further improvements to the design as well as how it was made. But it wasn't time to give up his day job yet. Friedman couldn't convince any of the straight straw manufacturers to license his design. Eventually, he got tired of trying and just decided to manufacture it himself. He incorporated the Flexible Straw Corporation on April 24, 1939. But then World War II got in the way. He went back to optometry and real estate to support his family, but he never gave up on his dream of making a better straw. When he finally had the opportunity to go back to manufacturing in the late 1940s, he didn't initially make the straws for casual use. They were actually marketed to hospitals so that people lying in bed would have an easier time drinking without sitting all the way up. But it didn't take long for everyone to appreciate the genius of the bendy straw 
and demand grew. In June of 1969, the Flexible Straw Corporation sold all of its patents and closed up shop. Friedman himself passed away in 1982, just a few years before we pick up on our last story. On September 29, 1987, Mary Kenner was awarded her fifth and final patent. This gave her the honor of having submitted more patents than any other black female inventor in the United States, a distinction she holds to this day. Mary Kenner was born in 1912 in Charlotte, North Carolina, to a whole family of inventors. Most of her inventions were personal items, including a walker and a toilet paper holder that would make sure the free end of the roll was always easy to grab. She also invented a backwasher that could be attached to the side of a shower. These were things that made people's everyday lives better and easier. Here's the catch. Having a patent does not mean that you have a product or a company or revenues or profits. Remember how Joseph Friedman couldn't get anyone to manufacture his bendy straws? That would have been the way for him to profit from his invention. He needed someone else to license his design and handle manufacture. One day, Mary got a call from a company that was interested in licensing one of her patents. Representatives drove to visit her at her home in Washington, D.C. to discuss the particulars. What happened next is devastating. And let me tell you what happened in her own words. One day, I was contacted by a company that expressed an interest in marketing my idea. I was so jubilant. I saw houses, cars, and everything about to come my way. Sorry to say, when they found out I was black, their interest dropped. The company withdrew their offer to manufacture Mary Kenner's product. By the time someone was willing to market it, her patent had expired and she never saw a penny. Her story is a sad reminder that innovation and invention do not necessarily lead to reward, no matter how much it's deserved. We do also have some business birthdays to mark this week. Arthur M. Blank, co-founder of The Home Depot, was born on September 27, 1942. He currently owns the Atlanta Falcons and the Atlanta United Major League Soccer Team. Bradley Wayne Hughes was born on September 28, 1933. He is an American billionaire businessman and founder and chairman of Public Storage, the largest self-storage company in the U.S. George Washington Jenkins, Jr., the founder of Public Supermarkets, was born on September 29, 1907. On September 30, 1861, William Wrigley, Jr. was born. He would go on to be the founder of the Wrigley Chewing Gum Empire and own the Chicago Cubs baseball team, who play on Wrigley Field to this day. And last but not least, William Edward Boeing was born on October 1, 1881. He founded the Boeing Company in 1916. Now before I conclude, I'd like to mark the departure of an amazing inventor. Reuben Klamer passed away on September 14, 2021 at the age of 99. You may not know his name, but you definitely know some of his inventions. He created the Game of Life, 
a board game now owned by Hasbro that was originally seen as the answer to the hugely popular competitor, Monopoly. Mr. Klamer served as a U.S. Navy officer during World War II and saw combat on amphibious landing craft in the Pacific. He also spent a little bit of time in supply chain working for an air freight company. A few weeks ago, Mr. Klamer was talking about the fact that his days were slowly coming to an end with a friend of his. What did he say when asked about what might be next for him? I don't have a reservation. I think heaven might be willing to open up a spot for the man who created the game of life, invented the hypo squirt, and improved upon the hula hoop. We offer our condolences to Mr. Klamer's family. It is now time to wrap up this week in business history. Thank you so much for tuning into the show each week. Please don't forget to check out the wide variety of industry thought leadership available at supplychainnow.com. As a friendly reminder, you can find This Week in Business History wherever you get your podcasts from, and be sure to tell us what you think. We would love to earn your review, and we encourage you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. On behalf of the entire team here at This Week in Business History and Supply Chain Now, this is Kelly Barner wishing you all nothing but the best. On that note, we'll see you next time here on This Week in Business History.